everybody. It's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny. Welcome along. Uh, so it's the uh, we're already into episode 25 of uh, the seventh season of LOI Central. I think it's safe to say, in relation to some of the questions we've got in Galway, United probably have won the league at this stage. I believe there were some celebrations in Galway on Friday night. Um, people are enjoying uh, the, uh, the 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 canter. Four seconds in. I mean, four like, seconds in. Like, like I mean, so we haven't had Galway United before, on the show yet. We're gonna we're working on that. Done before race week. Done before. Exactly, How long yeah. do you reckon it's going to take you to build bridges at Galway? Do you know the way they say that, like Mary McAleese Bridge? Well, it, it, isn't there saying that like, you know the say the, if a relationship breaks up, the time it takes to get over it is like you know half the length of the relationship or something like that. Oh yeah. So that's, there's, there's that's a bit of a theory. Fifteen years or something. So yeah, fifteen. <laughs> so so what you got to say? You're dead by climate change. Fifteen, 15 years. Oh lovely. Um, Go and climate change within the minute. Go let, and collect let, your bingo cards. Let's be honest, Dan. You mentioned it first mm. today. You didn't mention it first. Mention what? About the wettest June and your... Was that Delaware? No, that was actually Derek, our producer. And, and, and to be clear, kind of annoying to be clear for the sake of the listeners, this did not happen on the show. <laughs> no. Uh, do, do you know when that green light goes on, Johnny? On the, on the thing, a, the, the red, red light. light. The red light, red light, like Roxanne. Yeah, that is when we're recording. Things that happen before then, you can't reference them. Oh, it's like what happens before the show stays before the show. Well, Dan, Dan is yeah. getting climate anxiety, but we've a lot. I'm of not new- getting climate anxiety. Ah, no, um, I, I recognize, you know, maybe A, it's because the, the algorithm of your use of our social media accounts is sending me more warnings. <laughs> B, it, it is wet. No, I, I am aware, as I said, I'm going to stop uh, slating you about sort of, um, you know, uh, talking about it. I think it's very important to talk about it. Um, predicting the end of humanity. I mean, I wouldn't be up for that. You know, no, it's people, not good for your mental health either. No, no, it's not good for 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 young children. Like you know, there's we are in a more well, just you know we are in a more benign version of the climate change at the moment. We just have a, a lot of people coming here. Yeah, we've had um, lots of rain in July, but hopefully it improves in August, and we have some um, some sport to look forward to. We are in association with Future Ticketing. Uh, we're in association with Collar and Cuff. In Glasnevin, uh, Decky will give you a free suit and tie with your shirt. Just to know, free shirt and tie with your suit to be true. With your suit, just to know. Don't, don't create a rascals. Rascals Brewery in Inchicore is our third sponsor. It has announced a full lineup for the Beer and Rock Festival, a uh, Rocktoberfest happening on September 23rd. Go to Rascals Brewing to come full details and tickets. And on t- the show today, we're going to have Stephen Rice. Um, he'll be you'll be more than familiar with from his League of Ireland days, and also been involved with Ireland now and uh, coaching and so forth. And we've more sort of, I don't know, Dan, uh, more ruminating about the state of Irish football. Do we? I was just watching back the highlights of even Dundalk. How come Iceland, Icelandic teams can be so good against League of Ireland teams? But they weren't that now? good, actually, if well, you actually not. watched the game. They just, no. they just exploited a... They, they, they exploited an extremely... What would you say? Oh, like naive, maybe defensively, like Dundalk, you know. I mean, like we've seen them. You watched all three games uh, Pretty in full. much, yeah. yeah well, well, they, well, they were overlapping, so yeah. you couldn't really watch. The best you could. The Rovers game, unfortunately, I pretty much abandoned that one. Um, at the sort like of six, Rovers six, themselves. 60-minute mark, yeah, because yeah. um, the Dundalk game was underway. I mean, and then, yeah, I, I saw as much as Derry as I possibly could. Um, at the Dundalk one, I mean, they did most of the ball and conceded three shots on target, and they scored all of them. Um, and I mean the third goal I mean they were playing offside when effectively the Dundalk defensive line was inside the accurate half mm. KA um, it's not a great off line, half offside no. line yeah. and I mean the fact is that was a 2-1 down just before half time like they were clearly pushing 
Um, and it was one of those games where it was, it was I know you referred to the Pats Doodlange game, uh, Doodlange who lost to that team in Malta last week. Um, you know, you'd refer to that as a sort of a five-a-side game, and like it wasn't dissimilar in the sense that Dundalk could probably tell they were well capable of scoring against these, but then you know they, they conceded the third goal, like all very slick counter attacks, like they took them quite well, um, but but clearly. Um, then they had a two-goal lead to protect in second half. John Martin, a couple, cleared off the line. I think at 3-2, if it finished 3-2, I'd be very, very confident that Doc would go through. 3-1, I just don't know if I trust them to deliver the sort of flawless display that you almost need, you know, to not concede and, and win 3-0 or bring it to extra time. Yeah, but I, I feel like they're, that team will get chances on the counter again mm. um, and they talked to them quite well. So... Did Dundalk need to score three to bring it to extra time? I, I think it could be something like that if if they can do it. I just feel they've left themselves with a lot to do. Um, I suppose Derry's the opposite in the sense they're bringing a the lead away. Um, Rory Higgins they were good. he's never heard noise like it in the Brandywell, or certainly not. Yeah, they were, they were good. I mean, this, I, mean I do have that slight little bit. Of, the last half empty take is that the last 10 minutes they were on the ropes and, mm. and they really could have got a third Derry. Um, and that would have been great. Um I, I still think with Derry, you see, I know that Rovers have players from the Dundalk sides that did well in Europe, but I suppose Derry have McElhenney, Duffy, Patching, you know, attacking players. Look at the well. team this year. Think, well, think about the Dundalk team. I would say, like, for, say, Vinnie Parrott's second spell at Dundalk, like, that was a good European campaign. Um, the one where they, they won in Estonia and then they really, like, they pushed Vitesse very close. You know, they, they really could have mm. been. And when you look at, like, Patching was big time involved in that, you know, mm. McElhenney, Duffy, and you, and you see that quality. And even Derry with 10 minutes to go in the game, they're 2-1 up and they're making a double change and they're bringing on um, Adam O'Reilly and Diallo. Like, they're actually better options off the bench, you can argue, than Rovers have had. Their, their front the six, week. Dan, were McElhenney, Dummigan, Patching, Michael Duffy, McGonigal, Brandon Kavanagh. Um, Dummigan, of course, yeah. And, and McMullen excellent off the bench as McMullen well. McMullen excellent. And even Ronan Boyce, who I think was right back, he hit the bar sort of relatively. Twice, twice. twice. Yeah. So I Derry watched the highlights that game. So it was... Um, Derry are sort of the antidote at the moment. I still think... I, I'm like you. I'm still giving Dundalk a realistic chance. But Derry are playing... Um, quite attacking football, exciting football. I was thinking this today with Shamrock Rovers. Is Shamrock Rovers season a failure now, regardless of what happens? Because they're out of the cup, they've bombed in Europe. Like they're That's, out of, if that was they're a out of three competitions now. If that was the mailbag question, you'd probably get the voucher. Um, I think it's a good talking point. I can think I, can I, I get th- the voucher. No, <laughs> it's always like you need new clothes. Like you're just I'm. I'm, I'm actually morphing into a bum now. That like you know the way when you're. Are you still wearing the Jesus sandals today? No, not today. No, but 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 you know the way you're, when your dad like would just wear the same sort of jumper all the time. No, I'm yeah. just I'm just completely indifferent. You're, betur- you're becoming that, and you're on TV a lot more. I mean, I was going to ask yeah. you about a game the weekend, but you're generally on racing TV now. I, I was actually busy the weekend. Um, I I so I I couldn't go. I I'd and it's it's kind of. It was strange on, on, I have to admit now the other day, like it was, I was working at the races the day of the games and they were all sort of staggered times and it was kind of hard to keep up with it, but it was kind of half demoralizing just watching the, the score of the Rovers game come in. And, and and you were telling me obviously that things did go against him in the game, Manus again. Obviously. Ah, yeah, like I mean, it did, when Rovers started very well for 10 minutes and you were like, God, mm. we're going to end up looking daft here. You know, mm. Liam Burt come on and did a dribble and really should have scored. But it was it was stark how quickly they ended up being pegged back. I mean, and it's true, like the Manus goal, you know, it's just a mistake. I again, again, again every, yeah, like, exactly. I do. I, that's more my sense of like just sympathy. It's like God, what a great career, you know. He's come back from this injury, and 
he's probably just not at that sharpness level that mm. you would want. Um, but clearly, he's still better than Leon Paul, so you want him on the pitch. But it's, I suppose, you know, that that inability to source a goalkeeping replacement. Mm. Um, I know they couldn't get the Kieran Westwood thing done, you know, and it's a little thing because I suppose if they could maybe get through 30, 35 minutes unscathed then maybe you kind of hope that it turns but it feels like Rovers in a lot of these away European games they just concede like they invariably concede well I looked up I looked up the highlights right and it was like French Faros four Shamrock Rovers and it was like and I was actually in the game last year so there was the first thing that came up on YouTube was the four yeah. from last year. I was like, that was the goal from last year. So then I had to press back on, on Google Chrome, go into the bottom one down, the second one down, which is the one from Thursday, which was also four. Yeah, and a change for Travers team, like some of their better players from last year have moved. Mm. It's been so long. Okay, it was a new manager bounce. Um, and as I said, Rovers were unlucky to get them. Like, you know, we're, we're having a go at Rovers, but like how would Rovers have done against KA or or Coops or the other teams, Doodlange? Like, they, they might have beaten all of them and then we wouldn't be talking about them in ah, yeah, terms. Yeah. But, but clearly, you know, their bar themselves has dropped and it's just, yeah, it was... All their focus is on fourth the goal, The fourth goal is for the Sean Kavanagh. They obviously pushed, they push a bit, but then, you know, Sean Kavanagh gets done for pace and then you see, okay, if you have a team that doesn't have pace in certain areas, then that's maybe why you end up pegged back a little bit and trying to. So, but they're just they're they're almost left between two stools, like you know. But look, that was them. I mean, as I said, the Derry one was better, you know, and and Derry played with wingers as well. This is the thing, like you know, they you know it was Duffy one side, McMullen the other, mm. and you can just see they were like again probably not enjoyable to play against, and it's it's creating sensations that our other clubs have struggled to maybe do in Europe at times you know um, and yeah so I mean I, I wouldn't rule them dock out at all I think Derry as I mentioned with the players they have they probably have the maturity to go over there and and keep hold of the ball and, and, and you would think I mean Derry, in the break, Derry of course I mean as we know like um, you know Derry obviously would be very offended as they were uh, rightly so by been over in the Faroes and the Northern Irish flag accidentally getting put up and I was looking at one of the scoring apps last week and Derry are listed as Northern Ireland as opposed to Republic of Ireland in terms of like you would think they'd be listed for the league that they're they're from yet their 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 uh, their location was very helpful to them in the context of mm. this tie because a handful of big players from the Finnish team couldn't come to Northern Ireland because of uh, the slightly tighter rules for entry there post post Brexit. So we've seen clubs in the past have issues going to play cup ties in the in the UK, uh, European ties in the UK, and they've had an issue in terms of short term. I think there was even a team who travelled to Belfast. Was it? Was it? Was it one of the teams that came here that to fly into Belfast? And that was an issue. Um, but clearly, Derry City like um, partition could get Derry over the line here. Like. <laughs> that's, just, that's the difference. I mean, what was the difference? But I guess my point is that they will be stronger at home. Like they'll have more of their first choice players back. Um, but Derry, you would just hope. And even McGonagall looks to have a little bit of a little bit I of a spring and a step again. And like they, they have, they have players that you can see how they can absorb and then have threats on the break. You know, they can break out. They, they played quite well actually in the Faroes away, relatively. You know, so um, it's going to be tough. But I feel like they can score there, and obviously that gives them a brilliant chance. What if they can see the one goal in their three games in Europe so far? So is that right? Uh, yeah, so and that was the yeah. penalty. You yeah, know, penalty last. Rovers week. have scored one goal in six games now, and that was a var given penalty. Yeah, and the amazing. Defense, form. I, you still wouldn't feel like defense is the strongest part of that Derry side, mm. and personnel wise, like you naturally gravitate to the front six. I still, I, you still look at some of the defenders, and you think, you know, 
he's had a title winning defence but Dominican is massive for them Dominican's huge but I mean to be fair like McJanet has been missing for periods of time mm. as well and if you have McJanet Connolly you know um, you know you have you have a sort of a you have a chance so we go to the mailbag we go to the mailbag hey what's the time it's mailbag time a big bag of electronic letters I see you were, you were busy there again and just taking over our Twitter account posting about um, Brian Fenton's a bit of a hero though isn't he? <laughs> oh no like, yeah, what is going on with Brian, Brian Fenton? Fenton I was just a, he was wearing one of those vintage remake Cork City jerseys what a jersey if you, a on, a read on pre- previous guest had pointed out that um, I think it's Aeon isn't Aeon, it? Yeah. Aeon Aeon previous guest pointed out that uh, maybe they could get Sam down to Daily Mount on Friday and then Fenton, Fenton wasn't having that. Well, I, I mean, it is true that you get down to Shells, you do see a few of the Dubs lads in Shells. Mm. I wouldn't recognise them all, but like Jack McCaffrey, definitely there, and, mm. and I think a couple of the others would would go. So um, it's very close to Croker as well. Like it's just like that part of from Condra is like Tulka Park, and you get Dubs that I don't. I, I thought it was funny to be honest, but I'm sure the. Brian Fenton at this stage might even remember putting up the message. I mean, I'm sure they've been basically on the piss for three or How four you know? days. Maybe like, he doesn't even drink. I don't know if he does. Uh, yeah. But like, but like, you know, it's true. But the, the point is, um, ah, yeah. I, I think um, it's funny because we did have a comment in there. Uh, I'm trying to think who it was from. Um, um, but yeah, it, 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 there was a reference to, I, I assume you saw Johnny Deneen. Um, I did. The, oh, I, oh, I forgot to. The, 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 he's like he's like your. Um, it's like the Simpsons where there's another Millhouse. It's like there's another Johnny with sort of uh, in the racing world with sort of an, an enigmatic character with sort of opinions that sort of polarizes and divides opinion. You know, and it's like you know this is this is the this is the anti you or is it is it is he more like you? Did but that make your blood boil? Then he posted something the other day about um, ah no, like he posted something the other day about what was it that you know why hasn't any English. So- soccer club taking a chance on, on David Liver, the top English soccer club. Didn't it was work like, out for the big man because he didn't have a great game in the final end. No, he didn't. But like the, the, the point being, I mean, we think about it like, it's more the, it reflects the ignorance that a lot of people have towards, say, the, even the, the level you need to get to like, to be a good League of Ireland footballer. You know, and you actually, what you actually see is people like Philly McMahon, for example, and people who've played the codes actually have more respect maybe than sections of the Irish public would for recognising just, A, right, it's a nonsense debate right B there's yeah. this strand of exceptionalism running through some people's and I don't think it's the people who play it uh, this is the crucial oh, yeah, point yeah, yeah. it just runs through a theme of the people the commentators who watch it and maybe it comes back to the origin is it the, the Graham Garrity and Anthony Toll and this belief that your top GA players could get a trial with that it's like a 1990s opinion Kevin Moran was referenced yeah. by Deneen and that's, that's a good it, reference yeah but a Kevin Moran who also played mm. to be clear like, it's mm. very he ran off Croke Park you know and, and went, went went over to Manchester and was like but these goalposts don't have you know I can't score points in this game what is this game you speak I of I do love the way you know um, like he did Brannigan's, actually play this he did play the game Kim here Kevin Brannigan's too. doctor where he was coming back from England just to play for the dubs like and without telling them kind of um, no sim- that's brilliant sim- simpler times I think but we've seen Richie Four and, and other people Denny mm. Corkin very promising but anyway my point is like uh, you people would regularly say well such and such a GA player if he wanted to he could have gone to I, no. I suspect Clifford yeah. could if, if Clifford were, were trained as a footballer um, from an early age I'd say he be very good like trained as a footballer we've had people we have Gary O'Neill on who's, who, who played with him he was a centre mm. half but it's, yeah. the fact he was in his centre half is a very different position exactly to be a, a footballer a striker in the, in the modern game now it's about maybe facing 
back to goal or different it's been Stephen Walsh it's been Stephen yeah. Walsh basically but, but, <laughs> did, you see, did you see Walsh's overhead kick I, I saw that yeah um, can, can Derry's billionaire owners afford David Clifford that was uh, Shane Kennedy's question which <laughs> might get you the, the collar and cuff mail back but like this whole point such and such a player could have like We've seen some of the best underage footballers in Ireland, like amazing players who, who just haven't. Well, gone. you know good at guy actually, just because you see such resentment towards. We just know good at it. Um, I, I just I don't, to, I, to be clear, I actually don't have resentment because I, I think like as I actually get a bit older and you actually realise, like I actually met a couple of the the Dubs players uh, at one of the Indo dinners a couple of years back. I think it was Fenton was at our table and Philly McMahon and actually. Honestly, it's sometimes it's just the noise created around them as opposed to any of the people themselves. So I have no issue. I like watching the high-end um, mm. Gaelic football matches. Actually, the hurling thing, I feel like I'm not Irish sometimes because I've never even been to a hurling match. Never been to a hurling No, game. and I just don't... That uh, is unbelievable. And, uh, Derek, Derek's the Derek same. But there's a lot of people that are like that. That's unbelievable. There's a lot of people like that. I actually would I would prefer... I I love watching the Mayo story every year and stuff. It's why I'm interested in it. You love watching the Mayo story? Yeah, it's just I do. heartbreak. Like. I know, but I'm, it's, 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 it's captivating. Oh, Jesus. But I like the good... I like the, the business end of the championship. I enjoy oh, those you games. Never been to, you've never been to a hurling no, game? Not, not, so. not with the indoor anything. Like. No, I don't believe Not a double header. Nothing. Oh, sorry, you're right. Yeah. I have been sorry with double headers in Croke Park. Okay, I've been I've been present, but not. I've never actively basically been in the. In I've the never actively. I've never actively said I'm going to the hurling match someone today. Whereas I've gone to a lot of Gaelic football games That's over bad. the years. I used to go to all the loud games when I was younger. But you're like a northern Protestant games. there for a few minutes. I know, no, but no. but but look, the point is that um, you know, it's it's a wet July for them. Marching wise, yeah. Very wet July. Every well, I have, I have um, every cloud. Actually, that's just too much going on there. I see what you're saying. But listen, the, the, the point is, right? Like, like first of all, the Johnny Dean thing, right? I mean, it's a classic example. He's an absolutely brilliantly entertaining uh, character and racing podcast, but it is proof that Twitter sometimes is like pub talk for teetotalers. Do you know what I mean? Like, there was a time where you, you can have that discussion in the pub and mm. no one ever sees your opinion. But Twitter is dangerous because you can have a platform for your knowledge of one subject. Mm. You can be very strong, but then you use it to, to offer your half-baked theories on another and it just gets a much bigger audience and, like, you expose your ignorance. But, like, in fairness, you know, like, people actually do believe that. And I see Conan Byrne and Philly McMahon are on about organising some kind of game between 20 League of Ireland players and 20 GEA players. I did that in Galway years like, ago. Eric Levine playing Gaelic football for a half yeah. for a fundraiser but there, there are people there are people mm. out there who actually genuinely believe Michael there Donnan are, tried it Michael Donnan yeah, tried it he and Pe- he um, Pe- he was ha- very fast Peter Whitnell Owen Bradley yeah. like, I mean in recent times like it happened a lot in the it happened a lot in the 90s you know but I think the crossover would be I think a bit harder I mean Lee Chin in recent years and I mean he was fine like mm. it's not like there's clearly some extraordinary athletes um, but I think sometimes they get people ended up having to go with David Clifford, which is very harsh. Like David Clifford went down to watch Kerry FC in the first game. He's totally open minded enough to this thing, you know. Whereas people would think just he would he wouldn't he wouldn't lower himself to even being around these people. Generally, people involved in sport are, are a lot more respectful of other sports people than some of the idiot commentary that exists around it. Just, just to be clear here, we've had uh, nearly ten minutes of the mailbag about something that wasn't even in the mailbag. It was Johnny Deneen, Shane Kennedy. Oh, it was Can Billionaire owners afford David Clifford. Sorry, I, I take that it back. That was then. the context. What else we got? Um, uh, Wet July. Jim B. Jones, Jim Bob Jones had a reference to Owen Doyle. Yeah, we just Owen Doyle. Just wish him all the best from after his sort of uh, yeah. premature retirement from football. 
Owen, we were trying to get Owen on this week, not at the moment, um, as has been stressed with some some personal reasons which have uh, influenced decision, but hopefully we'll have Owen on in a couple of weeks' time. But I mean, as I've made the point at the time, like an amazing career, Owen Doyle. People say, what's it, what do you mean an amazing career? I think an amazing career in the sense of... Maximising. Like maximising like, yeah. your opportunities. And like we have loads of young players now trying to make a living in the game, earning very small money in League of Ireland clubs who might, who might think if they haven't cracked it at 18, they're done or something. Like mm. that, and Owen Doyle is the classic, you know, and then, you know, someone like Chidozi Ogbene as well. There's there's players out there that are the complete antidote to that sort of negative thinking. Um, which team had the best transfer window, and which team had the worst, also the best signing of the window? Because the window sort of, I, I will say, I think, um, the Shell signed the Shelburne signings from Hull. I know there's a lot of commentary around mm. it, but the, there was a big discussion on this guy, Will Jarvis, that they've signed on loan. The whole fans, he was involved in pre-season and the whole fans are sick that he's um, that he's gone, you know, or a portion of the whole fans online. So he was like, they clearly think he's a top prospect. And of course, it created one of these back and forth, oh, shells, that's only a, you know, it's a, it's a non-league over there. He'll he'll piss it. And, and shells fans are obviously annoyed. Oh, here we go, another whole cast off. And the reality is like Harry Wood, who I think has looked half decent, he mm. scored on Friday. Some of his deliveries in Daily Mount were quite good. But Jarvis came on at a couple of lively moments. Those players could be okay. Now, obviously, Moylan is probably going to go. Um, but um, they might have signed quite well. Um, 11 games to go and only nine points between the top six. Yeah. The, the, both the first shells, division is incredibly tight from second last to third. Yeah. As well, it's incredible. Like everyone has a chance. Of yeah, but the 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 bows shells games in hand from Europe from not mm. playing. You know those European fixtures been brought forward. Have suddenly like they've got mm. some points from them and it's brought things closer together. Um, a couple of references. Who will be top scorer come the end of the season? Back this after the Dundalk saw, match. This couple is a of great show. Alex Marlaller who backed um, who backed uh, Jonathan Afalabi at sixty six to one. And I should mention that on the Afalabi mailbag team. In fairness to Own Rock, will I give Afalabi my collar and cuff voucher for his Player of the Year award <laughs> ceremony? Given that we did give Own uh, a voucher for for Afalabi being right about Afalabi not being good enough, when actually Own you were wrong and we were right at the start of the season. Yeah. Now, I mean, listen. You know, betting, Does anyone else score for bows now? Betting though, is like? fr- it's amazing, actually. Nobody it's else like, actually scores. They're like John. You just get the goals here. But his career was, can take off now mm. on the basis on the basis of this. But Alex, I mean, it's a, in fairness, Alex is a great bet. I am aware of this because I mean, look, I do generally play this market every year. I know, I know it's taboo sometimes to talk about your bets. It's not for everyone. But like, um, I I've had good fun and luck with this market in recent years because um, I think there's such a low scoring target for the winner that you can you don't need to be a genius to sort of have a half chance but the Afalavi one looked like a terrible bet like a 25 to 1 at the start of the season and I know a couple of other listeners and friends all got involved because the reports were he was brilliant in pre-season mm. and I thought Afalavi 25 to 1 was a brilliant bet should look like the worst bet of all time but it reflects like how low scoring again our league is in terms of like prolific strikers that he just gets a run together for six weeks and now he's he's basically into the places. I met Athlete. one of the um, goal like Chris scorers. Forrester is top yeah, and Max Mata. Forrester's a midfielder and Mata's mm-hmm. been injured for a period of time. Yeah. Now I did like I did four in this myself this year because I just thought I just looked four bets for fun. They were Afalabi, Huben, who's still always a safe bet. He takes a lot of penalties. I did Sean Boyd that base then he's been injured what about his goal but he scored at the weekend Le- left footed perder he's one hat trick away from being in the shake up <laughs> and Graham Burke because I always do Graham Burke because he is a player might get five against so he does, he does a, there's games where he yeah. just he's always overpriced because he doesn't play as much but he generally does a game or two in the season where he ignites and you mm. don't 
you don't. I've, I didn't do Jack Byrne this year. I have in previous years on, on all, almost on the basis of dead balls and set pieces. You mm. don't need many goals. And Akafan Abbey could end up top scorer now. It's not a ridiculous thing. What to is say. he three off? I think. I think he's up there now. He's, I think it's eight, eight maybe now. Like Huben has a very good chance. I think you know if he stays fit. Danny Grant back for bowls as well. You're just. I see um, Bin Muhammad, who was vaguely linked with them, has moved to Gagnon. I think he had been um, training with a team in France. Yeah. So, but um, bowls are in good nick now. Into the. They're five points off Shamrock Rovers and the momentum, I'm not saying they're in the title race, but the momentum is with both. The one thing I will say about Rovers is they've, they've the lead concentrated well, now. I expect they'll win the league well, and their the, players will be back It's easy to later. talk about momentum with both, to be fair, right? They were playing UCD at home last week mm. and they won a cup game the week before and they haven't won away from home since April. Afalabi scoring. They haven't won, won away Their eight forms been proper. They played draw at home again this Friday. Danny Grant give them a good so, lift. No, there's a great chance for that to build momentum mm. from that, but I, you want to see them do a bit more on, I like, it's it's the, the nature of the league this season um, it's been so up and down I know you, you're still getting stick for the dramatic slump tweet mm. right it was never a dramatic slump everyone's a bit up and down mm. and um, but Bowes now I think you know this was a run of games like you will find that there's a couple of teams that they'll have Eustody and Drawd or Eustody and Cork or something back to back and they'll win them and we're like oh they're flying and it's just a reflection of where they are in where they are at in the fixture list rather than being turned around but speaking of I mean Cork City were a form team um, and now it's gone the other way uh, how bad was Cork's business in the transfer window it can be argued we're now weaker than we were this is from Chris Martin than we were at this time 12 months ago in the first division um, cup game Waterford will be interesting to gauge the gap if any between the teams owner will be in for a land if we go down yeah I mean very poor I mean like obviously like Rory Keating we've spoken about this they, 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 he's been their best player this season and, and clearly him being out they're going to be weaker without him but in saying that their form generally hasn't been good and I did watch a bit of that game against Shells and um, there's a clear golf and it does feel like they got the bounce Oh the, yeah, big they time, got that bounce, yeah. and the bounce has, has well, they, they got a point in Inchicore, unbelievable to get a point that night, and it showed that they had a lot of mental momentum. There was a message about Ian Ryan and Bray Wanderers. We'll, we'll, we'll get to let me let me get through. Um, PG O'Matney, touch of class from Shelburne and Damien Duff for the game for the Keating family. Uh, what an asset he is to the league. I don't think enough people in Cork realise it. That's PJ O'Matney. Um, the reference to Adeboyega to Norwich City from Dorada. What sort of transfer fee is he worth? Um, I'd imagine. The nature of him going there, I wouldn't imagine it'd be big money for anyone. Um, David Snade wants to know, will Johnny ever meet me for a point of happy days and rascals? Um, I mean, will you? No. Oh, okay. No, not, not going to meet Jason, Jason, Jason Shanahan. Uh, the hype train around Ian Ryan has ground to a halt. Will he still be in line to replace Stephen Kenny? Just on, on the, the likely playoff position here, it looks like Waterford will end up playing Cork and Waterford being this sort of limbo in that they've kind of... But, you've complete, but hang on, you've completely... So, so in terms of the playoff then, you've like Longford up to Cove, so it's third to ninth. Um, all all in, really in the battle. Bray, the thing about Bray then, like, they've been hockey by Go United twice this season now um, and they've won seven of their 24 games. It's been a poor season, you've, you have to say. Budget-wise, compared to... Say the likes of Cove or Third, Athlone and Wexford ahead of them. These are teams that would have been expected. You've you've brave Finn Harps, Treaty and Longford in the bottom half at the moment, which is a bit yeah, bad. It's, it's, been, it's, it's, it's crazy, it's, but it's still like Bray's Bray's ambition. Basically, like the ambition of all of these teams at this stage is to get the playoffs. It doesn't really matter. You're trying to avoid Watford, but it's a long uh, way to well, go. Uh, the, but I will say the playoffs is a great comfort blanket for people. Like anecdotally, you're chatting to people and they're saying that the standard of the first division this year has been very poor. It's been bad. 100%. But as a result, then, if you fall into the playoffs, Mm. have you hit your potential as a team? 
Mm. Like, like, like you, can, you can have a bad season and end up in the playoffs but do you say well for the CV it's great I brought them to the playoffs but actually maybe your team has been poor all along you yeah, know what I mean the play, yeah. I'd be interested to see how Bray do against Dundalk because I think Ian Ryan has got a lot of, in the cup because Ian Ryan has got a lot of credit for like, how his Wexford team approached say cup ties last mm. year and that sense of like bringing a team to a next level but it's actually just week to week the inconsistency of a lot of teams in the first division for me this is a bit of a problem with the system in the first division when half of the teams are either up or in a playoff and like one of the teams is Kerry right so you basically the majority of the teams that aren't Kerry will be in the playoffs and then when Galway United are running away with the league, you've this kind of no man's land. No, I know. And like, I, and even Stephen Walsh, I know it's a great story, but he shouldn't be scoring that many goals in the first division, should he? Like, I, I genuinely don't think Galway United are a particularly good side. I think if, Galway, if this oh, Galway United... The think, is in trouble I'm, here. I'm, always get, I'm already getting this vibe, though, from the, the, the knowledge in the club itself is that we need to sign a massive players to compete mm. in the Premier Division. John Coffin and Ollie Horgan are no mugs like. They know that they so but the reason is they've a good defence and the first division is pretty shit. Yeah. Like you've you really almost like part-time teams like basically and I mean part-time in the sense of being part-time teams who are pushing for the playoffs and like how do the likes of Longford Town keep punching um, week, year after year with hardly any crowds like yeah. so with, with no money in the league so it's a poor poor league and Galway United um, are running away with it yeah, which is kind of mad no, I've never won anything in my lifetime no no listen we need to race through a lot of other stuff because we've got Stephen Rice to come in your poll last week by the way on a it was it, it was a little bit like I, did, I didn't think it'd be close, but I thought it'd be closer. I thought it'd be more like eighty six percent. I thought it'd be more like seventy five, twenty five. Uh, Interesting. I'm shocked there's forty fourteen percent of people out there. Um, really? Yes, I, I just think it's fundamentally wrong, and the poll backs up uh, my opinion. We're having a, a debate about this. I do have. It's, I do it's, have, not, it's never going to happen. Why debate it? I do have some nostalgia for the for those. Oh, days, I know people do. Yeah, but people have nostalgia the, for shy times in the league. I don't know why. The weird thing is is just the weather. I know why. The weather is so mad now. It almost doesn't matter anymore oh here we go it does matter but like Johnny uh, it's about, look, at, look at July son. yeah okay thank you for that but like yeah. speak to people involved in schoolboy football and, and ask them about the number of games that are called off during the winter at times right mm. sorry like, okay just like it's it's a nonsense debate it's not going to happen it's so, not a nonsense wait, wait, debate it is it's, it's not, not going to happen absolutely not nonsense it's not going to happen so you would be back aligned we're moving, with, uh, we're moving all uh, our schoolboys we're trying to move our schoolboy seasons to align them yeah it makes much more sense on a number of levels to play it, calendar I, year I don't think it's a nonsense debate because you did bring up point last week where this kind of proposed advantage of like playing teams in pre-season is, isn't what it was I, I, I'm still in favour of summer football but I don't think it's a nonsense debate I think uh, I, but I don't well, well okay it's not a nonsense debate but it's not going to happen no I don't like debating happen. I don't know like we can we can all debate many things in our life um, but you'd like to think that you're debating something that has some relevance to the future this doesn't have a relevance to the future like the only people who would probably be pushing um, ironically enough uh, debate like bringing it forward are people who want to go back in time for like all sorts of reasons in their life you know, and they're probably climate deniers, ironically. Some of those people. Um, but we're not going to go for that. Um, yeah, so your poll was 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 handled. A couple of references to, to Owen Harry's references to the tackling um, and Peter Fitzpatrick saying you know, the, the referees in the League of Ireland are blowing up for any physical contact. But actually, in Europe now, they're being let flow. And it's I actually see, true. It's the true. games are being it's let true, flow yeah. a lot more in Europe, yeah. which is which is actually a, a good point. Um, is John Fikovic, Kevin Hardy is going to, going to chew up and spit out these bluffers in the Premier next season. Well, as you've said, they might realise they, they need to sign some more players. Rossi, I don't remember being dis- disappointed in a European showing in years. I suppose we'll have a European deep brief when all the teams are out and hopefully by next week we're not in that situation. With respect to John Caulfield, 65 points from 24 games. That's an amazing, games, it's an amazing. Um, like, for a series losers of a team, really, and um, 
like fair play to him and he did put Stephen Walsh up front as well he was, the, some, he was the person no, no. who get, completely gets the credit you're, for that you're trying to get back in there like you know as we said 15 years you'll I'd be okay say, there was just great anecdotal tales of like John Coffey and Ollie Horgan going for the points like after the game Friday and I do miss that because like, be they're two good characters to you be fair be it, yeah. um, and it's race week as well one for the mailbox so Conor Vest we had a lot of messages about this last week what do you think about the League of Ireland telling Darren O'Hanlon that he can't make his YouTube videos anymore I'm sure you've seen them hadn't seen them so Darren I don't know him is a photographer who had been going around taking videos of games and putting them on YouTube um, now I only watched one last week and I was kind of laughing at it because he's clearly a photographer who's taking a video as it goes so like the lens of the, uh, the the camera was on top of the screen it reminded me of one of those like shooter games on a, on a, on a sort of a, on a console or something it was like it was this, he's going around with a gun here targeting people like walking onto Class, the pitch yeah. I was expecting them to be gunned down any minute um, but I, I did the one the, the video I did see was um, there was a lot of match footage of it and that the FBI's issue would be, you know, you can't be posting that. Whereas I was looking at it going, hang on, but some clubs have basically, it, it appears paid or invited some of these high mm. profile English YouTubers Loggers over. Whatever, yeah. And they do, but generally it's them, their reaction to the chances and a little a couple of seconds on the pitch rather than maybe long sections. I don't know how you footage. can release this stuff, to be fair. Uh, yeah, I, 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 it's hard smart to please. Phones it smart does, phones. It strikes me as quite harsh. Yeah. I would say it strikes me as quite harsh. And like, we're, we're not aware of it, but we're old. And like a lot of other people are watching this stuff on YouTube. And I, I just feel like it could be, these things could be easily resolved. But I don't know, I don't have the full origin point, but we're not ignoring it. Um, not ignoring it. But anyway, um, let's before we get Stephen Rice, we have to deal with our quiz business. Um, and some of our mailbag business um, from well we actually dealt with the mailbag business because Shane Kennedy um, for his David Clifford related message will give him the collar and cuff goodies um, last week's question was can you name the uh, who holds the record for it to be the youngest manager of a League of Ireland Premier Division club this uh, century wasn't it this century I think it's all time potentially but we mm. can't be sure um, and the answer was Stephen Kenny 28 years 9 months 13 days um, sort of like Sinead O'Connor just a different version of it it's been the big story the last week really sad isn't it Sinead O'Connor oh yeah it's like, like an iconic yeah um, it really book. was and um, yeah it was actually just yeah very very very, very, very sad. sad 28 um, years 9 months and 13 days for Stephen Kenny uh, second was Garrett Fardy well, we did have a couple of Garrett Fardy guesses mm. um, and Alan Reynolds we had also had an Alan Reynolds guess as well too from people and they were the top three David Cassidy number four he was a caretaker manager of Bray 2015 Bizarrely, I would nef- definitely wouldn't have got that one. Um, but yeah, so um, we, we had our question. Who was the winner? Connor Mull, was it? Connor Mull. Connor Mull. So you get the, the, the guy to Tara Rascals Brewery, Connor. And then uh, this week's question, again, for the Rascals Brewery prize. Get your answers on Twitter and Instagram. I think the Twitter DMs might be a bit more complicated by the um, the, the X, sorry, X. It's like a porno site now when you go yeah. on Twitter. Like, X, what's it? What, the X, I see they've already, I, like, file, I, I had a story about Jack Mine last week. I was like, do I call this an exclusive now? Oh, yeah. Oh. They, I think they've had an issue with the, the building in the States where they've actually had to get take the X, X off because it's spot. like, it does, they I remember don't have being like in, a... I remember being in Cambodia years ago um, in, oh, the place, what's the name of the place? It's Siem Reap. And, um, I've been there, the, the, yeah. The, the only sort of, um, you know, we were out at night and it was like, the nightclub that was there was like the big giant X there and it was like we were joking oh X marks the spot as in it was a great way of like finding your way if you're mm. a bit drunk and that's actually a place where I watched our first horse Barrio 
uh, run in a maiden hurdle. Do you reckon Paddy Barrett was being, was I being was, there? I was practically in tears at the time because he came eighth out of 29. Yeah. Like, that was the first time he'd finished ahead of another horse. Not the next race about um, that. No. Um, and Barrett's still alive, to yeah. be clear. We actually know, we found Unlike this out recently. owners. Yeah. Mm. Um, no, we, we got a message recently from his owner in England, which we should really return to that. Um, but anyway, uh, this week's question for the Rascalsbury Prize is, um, can people tell us the club, the club, or this club, the scoreline's a bonus, but the record aggregate win by a League of Ireland side in Europe in the European Cup slash Champions League. There's been a few comfortable wins in other competitions in recent years, but the record aggregate two-legged nice shout, European Cup Champions League win. We haven't had a great array of, of high-profile uh, wins, um, but people should be able to glean this one out. Let's get to a man who scored in Europe uh, in one of the more high-profile games. Yes, um, let's bring in Stephen Rice. She lost that game as well, but let's bring in Rice. Yeah, it's funny, we've um, just a, kind of a story breaking that potentially Max Matt has gone to Shrewsbury, and it brings to mind, Dan, your uh, your bets, because I know a Sligo Rovers fan who'd back Max Matta at, like, he was telling me to back him at, like, 20-1 to 1 not that long ago, I think... I don't know, was it obviously after Keane had gone? But anyway, so um, that's another thing that might... That's another player. You have to be conscious be of players leaving the league. Uh, if you want to have that bet. <laughs> if it's a young striker. Stephen yeah. Rice, so this is one thing that I have to say in terms of Shamrock Rovers. I was thinking that this coming up here today. When you look at the like the players that they've lost that would have been so effective in Europe, mainly, say, Lions and Mandroyu and others as well, but like... Scales. Scales as well. Like players that... Say either you're going, in fairness, scales goes to sell it, you're losing players that are going to League One in, in England, maybe Championship in the case of Lions, um, and it's become a big, big thing in the League of Ireland in recent years. Yeah, I think it's the nature of the beast, and mm. particularly having obviously worked in the UK in the in the last few years before I come into this role, and you see particularly at 23's level, um, a lot of players going on loan to that League One level, League Two, um, it's a monster over there, and, and probably people don't fully understand. Even League here. One, like? League One, I mean, there's some massive clubs in League One, you know, sleeping giants, if you will, even League Two, there's big clubs there, and even in the conference, I mean, I, I lived I lived close to Bromley, and I'd often go down and have a look at the games, and I mean, you're getting 2,000, 2,500 at a, a non-league game, or, a, you know, a conference game, and, and the wages and the infrastructure, even at a club like that, mm. you know, is really, really good, and we probably, and I suppose the frustration sometimes when, you know, when, People see players going, and they might hear a certain club's name, and it doesn't it doesn't ring true to them. And that I know this club, and it's a really recognised club. But the big football clubs with, with a lot of money behind them, and a big fan bases, and a really good infrastructure. What does what do the League of Ireland clubs do then? Because <laughs> the infrastructure element isn't going to be fixed overnight. Here, I think it's fair to say. But like, if if we're losing players and I can see the attitude from the league, from the players they want to get on the ladder in Britain that's fine but how do we compensate here because there's something wrong with Shamrock Rovers this year in Europe like simply because they don't have the players at the moment to compete and I don't know why that is um well I mean it's in terms of bridging the gap I mean it's going to take time there's I don't think anyone was thinking that you know this was going to be an overnight thing I think Shamrock Rovers have dominated the league really really for the last three three years now three in a row which is an unbelievable achievement and I suppose when when they're so successful and they've been so good that the expectation obviously comes then that Europe is the next step and I'm sure you know when when Stephen and, and his staff and stuff set down at the start of the year they would have obviously highlighted or prioritized certain competitions and I still think that the league would have been the priority but obviously they probably would have wanted to progress a little bit further in Europe or do get 
probably Conference League and grow from there. In terms of the player, I probably they, I think the players you know that they they've assembled there is a really good squad and mm. um you know and for for various reasons that it's you know it's it's they come up against a really a really good side in um in Breda Black this year and 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 obviously went out and then they were very unfortunate with the draw but. Um, you thought Breed of Black as well. We only hear you saying the same. He was actually bigging them up. They were a good, se- a good team. Like, yeah. Well, I'd done the RTE coverage for it on the night, and mm. obviously as a, as, a, as preparation, I, I'd actually watched a fair bit of them. The previous kind of you know five six games in terms of what they were about, and uh, and and their previous European exploits the the year before, just to get a feel for them. So I knew absolutely. I know Stephen alluded to it in his pre match mm. that they were technically good, lot of movement, lot of rotations. Um, and, and they proved to be exactly that like um, and they were probably probably better even defensively than what I anticipated from the analysis of looking at them beforehand it's mad, mad about Bride back then that I saw we had Mark Ogden a couple of weeks back who'd been over at the qualifying tournament and for them like playing Copenhagen was huge like the chance to play Copenhagen mm. a former opponent of, of Shamrock Rovers to them it was like you know I don't know an, an Irish team playing a Scottish club or an English club like that mm. was the one they wanted and you see last week to play Copenhagen they conceded at home in the first minute you know, like mm. they, they're built up for this big event at home. Now they lost 2-0, looking at the sort of the statistics and all very like, you know, shots on goal. I guess conceding in the first minute means that you're more likely to be sort of chasing a bit, but it seemed like they competed reasonably well. Um, but, you know, they did okay. But look, I mean, Stephen, there's always, uh, we're getting the besieged messages about the European results this year. Oh, this means the league is terrible. And then last year it might be, well, this means the league is great, you know, if, if the results go well. And you're like neutral. You're obviously watching games as a neutral observer. I mean, what, I don't know, what what do the European results say about the league in your experience? I mean, do they, I sometimes would argue, well, these are just cup ties, but do they also highlight levels as well? Or what do you make of the general level of our performances this year? I think I think that can be there certainly can be a an overreaction to games in terms of one off results and, and you know and, and even and even going so far as back when I was playing that if four teams go out or if we don't you know, there's part partly is the look of the draw, which is like a cup draw that you'd end up against like a breeder blick, which are, you know, a bit of an unknown to a point but a, a very good side. Um Levels are absolutely they come into it in terms of the, the the ability you see the players the technical ability of and and the mobility of some of the particularly the European teams, um it definitely comes into it Dan you can't get away yeah. from that, but I also think the progression that our league has made in the last few years has been really good. But we're not moving forward as a standalone, you know, like you know, there's, there's clubs like obviously you know Azerbaijan like Armenia. These type of and only because obviously we've played them at international level and stuff, and, and you have a good knowledge of them. Um, that you can see within them countries and and the and a lot. Well, of would say Riga last week, loads of money going in there as well. Like yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But a lot of these players are, are playing at international level as well and being exposed to that, whether mm. it be in Armenia or Azerbaijan. A lot of those Karabakh players are international mm. players, um, and even to the Icelandic group and, and only really because. They had probably seven or eight, six, five or six, if I'm not mistaken, that were capped at some point. But again, a lot of them were homegrown players. But levels definitely come into it in terms of consistently playing at a European level and being able to progress 
you know, true rounds, which Shamrock Rovers have done, and, and I think, obviously, they'll be disappointed this year, but I, I, I wouldn't be pressing the panic button yet. We have to accept that, whilst we know the attendances are brilliant in our league, and there's a great buzz around it, the coverage, everything is brilliant at the moment in our league, but other countries are moving forward as well, you know, other mm. countries are not going to stand still, and the influence of, of, of I suppose younger coaches and coaches coming from different countries to, to to manage within different areas brings a different a different perspective, you know, to like playing against a lesser nation or a, a you know, a lesser club ten, fifteen years ago. It's different now. It doesn't it but, doesn't happen. Yeah, and I agree think, with I think, Damien Duff then when he's talking about like you invest in facilities for training facilities rather than because it's not gonna happen overnight, but like why are why is a team that's third in Iceland why are Icelandic teams? Why do Icelandic teams have the upper hand of Irish teams at the moment? When surely they shouldn't really like. I mean, they don't have any international players playing in Iceland in the league. Or certainly Breedeblik didn't. Yes, Breedeblik were comfortably better than Shamrock Rovers. Well, they did have players capped Breedeblik. Yeah, they, but, it, but like not like so not at the moment in the sense that they were probably capped. Current, like yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I suppose yeah, and the, and the expectation of Rovers, you might look at their squad list and say, well, Jack Burns being capped and Graham Burns mm. mm. Jack Burns wasn't available as we know. Graham Burke's been capped. Neil Frugge has been around. You know, has been in training squads, Alan Manis, etc., etc. You know what I mean? But but clearly, some of those weren't available, and some of those didn't perform. But mm-hmm. I I take it, but see, I I started to cut across your point. I mean, I'm looking at it two ways this year with these European results. That I think, as we mentioned, the league is thriving in a lot of ways at the moment, like full houses and stadiums. But the FEI have gone for, um, you know, they, they're looking for a lot of funding at the moment mm. the infrastructure plan being launched and some ways I think you know maybe a European year that isn't fantastic maybe is, a good is, thing is no bad thing mm. in the sense of reminding people that just because things are going well in some ways there's a danger of thinking you've arrived you know and maybe there's an element of reminder like no this is it's great that you're getting these building blocks in place but there's like there's so much more to do mm. and that's the reality of it yeah and I, th- I think anyone at the call face or within the game knows that you yeah. know but as i said i think with the with the coverage and the, and the crowds and everyone can just you can just look in and go you know and, and particularly like you know rovers win three in a row and you just think then you know the external perception is you can win to europe and you should win of one or two rounds the levels again as you mentioned they're really high you know and and, and you're right it probably is a little bit of a not a wake-up call as such because i don't think people within the league or within the game ever felt that this was we were you know we'd arrived but it can certainly be a perception of that the league is great and everything's brilliant whereas we know there's there's a lot more to go to get to the level where we're competing consistently at a european level in terms of at group stages or whatever that may be or going deep into the playoff rounds for more than one club yeah and i think the the other problem that's been highlighted and you'd be very much aware of this from your role is you'd be over sort of scouting players now and you'd be watching mandra ryu and lions and um, I know you would have worked with the likes of Dawson Devoy when they were younger and, and Jack Moylan, you know, it looks like he's going to be on the way now too. There's a lot of players in that early 20s bracket leaving. And in some ways it's a great compliment. The clubs in England are now, in some cases, are like, well, yeah, we need to go and shop in Ireland. And they're finding good players for them in Ireland. But there's a, there's a generation of players being taken out of the league. And that's difficult, you know. Yeah. Like, you, you, I think of the good teams in Europe. I know you lost Enda Stevens after, mm. um, after twenty eleven, and I know that Rovers team had an experienced enough core, but still, like there is no doubt that the, the age profile of this Rovers squad at the moment is a bit older. And I think part of that is because a lot of the younger players in the league have left. 
Yeah, and I think you look at as you said. I think you've mentioned uh, Danny, Liam Scales have all moved on. Andy Lyons, like you know, mm. so it is. It is something that's there. We can't. It's it's been sp- spoken about a lot. You can't hide away from it. The other side of it is, I think it's it's about the clubs now coming up with solutions, and like I don't think you're gonna stop it. To be brutally honest, no, of course you're yeah. not gonna stop it. So it's how do you get the compensation in right? Like, say if the Icelandic football put so much money in after Euros, like. Alex Murphy is doing well for Newcastle. You see, like, um, young players have gone over. But Galway Knight were well compensated by all accounts from Alex Murphy, whereas other clubs maybe. What's the actual net result of letting these players go? Because there doesn't seem to be that structure in place to get proper money. I, I don't know the answer myself. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, from a club's perspective, like, I, I know the finances differ depending on the player and depending on the club's situation. But I also think you have to, people say, letting players go. Like, like the clubs have the clubs have a difficult situation because mm. you've got a player who's absolutely desperate probably to go as mm. well in, in terms of an opportunity as so well as his agent exactly well yeah. of course yeah like so it's not as straightforward as the club saying well we're just letting them go if you've got a player in any industry someone wants to go and, and do something different or move it's difficult it's difficult to to make mm. to keep them happy within that if they want to go if you, if you prevent them from doing that so i i think it's it's it is the the way it's going to be I think there's a responsibility now on, on obviously everyone now to come up with solutions and how we fill that void in terms of ideas and, and how can we, as Dan said, if that talent drain is gone and we're losing these players, we're doing something right. Um, but I don't think in the immediate future we're going to be able to stop it. But it's mm. what we do in that, in that middle ground with those... You know, for example, the 19s. You have to grow our pool of players. That's the mm, point. You're not, mm. not going to stop people going. Yeah. Like, if people, like, I, I understand the debate that's come from from the likes of Mandre leaving for 30 grand. And, you know, I think people are stopping that. You see, Cork aren't doing the yeah. clauses. Cork City aren't doing the clauses now either. Bows, clubs. But, like, as we pointed out previously, if you, you can stop doing clauses, but players will just let their contract run out then. And then you're, you will get a set figure of compensation, mm. which can be quite good if you go to a championship club and bit lower if you go to a league one club so that's not an issue the issue is the, that the fact that by losing 10 12 15 players you don't have a, another core of players in their generation that's the issue for me and like it's it's those under 19s that reach a stage that if you're not ready to play first team football in the league of ireland at 18 19 and as you've worked a lot of a development with with players as you'll know some players will blossom earlier than others but we have a lot of demoralized 18 19 year olds that don't have somewhere to go and that's part of the issue i think yeah you know yeah no it's, it's definitely look it's it's definitely something that's there since i worked in the underage setup as well and you're right there's a lot of latecomers like you know some that like if if if, if they if they you know someone like a you know a dawson or a jack for example jack was tiny when he was a kid wasn't he jack mm. dawson james clark the three of them were were future developers in that mm. they were the you know they were in a squad with myself which were called the future developer squad which were they were technically proficient but physically probably weren't that you know like small lads that yeah. weren't that weren't able to cope with it you know the fiscality of a Nathan Collins or whatever it may be within that that same generation was Nathan Collins was yeah, it zero, Jason one. Knight wasn't yeah, it yeah. yeah exactly so they we, that was kind of a, a thing that we, we had those three particular that was in the GDSL yeah well, no that was with the FAI then the FAI. future developers group we took them after the Kennedy Cup and, and because they probably weren't ready for international football it was like a second group and um, those three are just prime examples of those latecomers that as long as they stay within the system and are given the right opportunities, can can go and and, and excel. Um, but definitely the the nineteens in terms of, I, I know three players can play on that yeah. and stuff. But um, I still obviously think that that gap between nineteens and and, and first team is big, and and it might be a way. 
of having that extra league or the 21s or 23s, whatever you term it, to fill that little void. I'm not saying it's going to absolutely, because the best players are gone at 20, 21 or 22. Mm. To say those 18, 19 year olds are going to be ready for that. But it certainly bridges the void or bridges the gap, you know, whether they're included in a cup competition or whatever it may be, to expose them to a certain level of, of senior football before the others move on. And, and it goes back to then the clubs having having real plans in place and, and long-term plans for individual players in terms of like, you know, if it's Dan McDonald and he's he's a, he's a 15-year-old high potential player, what is the... What's the long term plan for Dan McDonald? Not yeah. the long term plan for this team. So how do you how do you plan for an individual? What's his pathway look like? What should it look like in twelve months, eighteen months, twenty four months to make sure that when this void comes, that we have he's in a position to step in and there's something to happen there. Yeah. yeah. So again, certainly from an individual perspective, having those those type of pathways and, and plans for the individual, not just a group of players, would, would help that. Where's the third tier then in terms of like second teams and college teams and maybe even players being out on loan that are literally at least are playing senior football like yeah are you a fan of it the idea yeah i like the idea mm. i definitely think because I, d- I definitely feel that there's um there's 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 some really good sides in the college the colleges and and obviously the Leinster senior league mm. um there's some good sides there and i think some of the clubs would be well equipped to come up and, and and cope at that level uh in terms of that tour division but it's a brilliant opportunity for our younger players to go and be exposed to having to win games or understanding how to win games, not having to win games because if they're at a Pats or a Bowles or Shamrock Rovers, I'm sure the development, that's part of the development, but it's about learning how to win games um, in a certain way, mm. you know, that maybe you don't get exposed to at a 19th or 17th level. Mm. I just realised that, Johnny, you, you raised something on the show earlier that I didn't actually answer it. It was a it was a comment you had, would this year be regarded as a failure for Shamrock Rovers if they if they only won the league, and it, it's a it's a mad it's a mad thought, really. Like I, I do think, and I'm sure st- I'm waiting for Stephen to come in on this. Like you know, the nights that you win league titles are the great are the great nights in in your careers. You know, I'm sure you remember them all very clearly. I do still think, you know, if they do the four in a row, like they'll be massively celebrated. I think the broader point. Will they be getting mentioned at the end of the year in, in you know, uh, the RTE awards and all these reviews? I think, unfortunately, maybe a bad year in Europe stops you getting that kind of acclaim, the wider acclaim that Stephen Kenny's and Doc got and stuff. I think that's an issue. But well, they were knocked out of the cup as well. No, with I an know. Extra I, man I, that, for, it's so a problem. It's like, I'd say it absolutely drives them crazy that, mm. like, the FEI Cup final has become, like, a, a, a massive event, you know. And while Rovers did have it as the springboard for this era, you can argue, in 2019, the fact, and they were at the one in 2020, the COVID one, and they, they were sort of in control of it, and then they, they got done by the Doc. The fact that they're heading into, when they're the dominant side of the league, to not experience that uh, three years in a row, I'd say it drives them crazy. And it, there's no doubt it's dented their their standing, but I still think as a group, if they do the four in a row, like they'll be welcomed back in 10 years time and they'll be on the pitch or something and no one will be talking then about yeah. Iceland in the same way that well, in the same way the nineteen eight like the, the Rovers team in the eighties, like they didn't set the world alight in Europe either. Um Well would you say then that like when you say regroup and that, like is this a time now for Rovers? Say they get knocked out against Ferns Faros, they're in a great position in the league, their players will be coming back. What will Stephen Bradley do in terms of and the senior players as a group? Because this is a tough time. They've had six games, they've scored one goal in six games, they've been knocked out of three competitions. Um they haven't been playing well. I think their confidence is probably suffering a bit. What will they do as a group to say, listen, let's 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 focus on the positives here and, and win this four in a row? 
Uh, well, uh, firstly, I don't think you win three titles in a row, and 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 even from Stephen's perspective and the, the team and the group of players, without going through difficult times. Yeah. And I think I think that that's the marker of a of a of a great team, and any of the teams that dominated throughout the years, Dundalk and stuff, throughout those years, shells at the time. They always had that, and they're gonna have spells. Um, you know, they've had a spell, obviously, where it's it's not gone where they would have wanted it to go. I think probably Rovers going out of Europe doesn't bode well for the other teams because no, no, because mm. I think now and 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 I do genuinely believe I think at the start of the year when when Stephen would have sat down and the staff, I still think the league's the priority, and mm. um, for the reasons Dan just mentioned, they are the great knights and they do give you that platform to go. Now I know the progression in Europe and all that is a part of it. The money now would have been huge. We'll say that that is one thing they've lost out on. Like they've they've coughed up money by getting nowhere in Europe. That maybe they. They, 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 not saying they budget for it, but they would have made plenty of money last year in the group stages, which now they just don't have. But that's not their like that's not the problem for the players and the management in the short term. <laughs> that that's that's a broader issue for the club. You're right. Like that is that is not ideal. Like I think as much as they'll I doubt they would have budgeted to go through, but they've made the mm. bare minimum of what they'll around eight hundred grand or something, and obviously they've had a couple of trips when even getting through one round will be one point four. Like it, it multiplies. And I think for them, you know, you have players on you know, contract renewals and stuff, and maybe it can factor in to that. Yeah, but, um, and I suppose it felt last year when they got to the group stages, then they start to prioritise the league properly because they're like, we've made the group stages and we, we have this kind of, you know, we're probably a little bit out of our depth in the group stages, but we'll do as best we can and we'll try and win the league now. Whereas now the league is a priority, but they don't have that. And I, I, I do wonder because I think, like Stephen has gone through so much personally, I, I can't even begin to believe it. And now they've had like this. It's a poor run for you. Alan Manis obviously making mistakes. Players you wouldn't expect to. And I, I just find it interesting. I, I agree with you though. I think they'll win the league now because they can focus on that. And maybe, maybe the maybe lessons were learned. What do you make of their? I suppose their title challengers. Yeah, I mean, look, I've I've seen a bit of Derry and a, and a bit of Pats as well, and uh, I suppose Pats are now very much in it, aren't they? Like mm. the, you know, due to their form. I think I think Derry. I suppose it's it's a it's a weird one because. There's obviously been a lot of points dropped from everyone in yeah. the title race. So I think everyone will be going into the last 10 games, 12 games of the season thinking, okay, not, probably not been at our best, but we're still in it. Mm. You know, So was that mindset you know, around Rovers is obviously drop points that normally they wouldn't. Um, they're still four points ahead. Four, still, yeah. Four points ahead. So they'll be feeling that they can kick on now and really go on, which I think they will. Um but Derry and Pats will also be feeling that you know they've they've probably they've dropped more points than they would have liked, but they're still very very close within touching distance. Mm. Um, I think Derry are a very good side. I think Rory obviously has them has them playing a a, a a nice brand of football in terms of what he's trying to do. It's very clear and and same obviously John's gone gone in at, at St. Pats and and turned it around really really well. What do you make of, of them results. actually, Pats? Because like they were kind of I suppose in Europe they had a lot of inexperienced players and. Showed a lot of promise as well, like really good young players. So I guess they'll be improving. Yeah, I mean, look, but again, like those young players getting that exposure, and I know that's that's little, you know, when you when you go out, that that seems like a little consolation in terms of, you know, those younger players playing in European games at eighteen years of age, seventeen. The young Murphy scoring and that, yeah, like, yeah, and then he goes and backs it up in another goal, mm. you know, like that. Those type of experience for those young players are going to be invaluable for them, and and ultimately. For the football club, in terms of mm. what they can generate for these players, when they do eventually, you would imagine at some point move 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 on. 
Um, but I, I think John's done really well, I have to say. I think he's gone in and it, it was a difficult circumstance, obviously, with Tim leaving and stuff. Um, I think he's gone in. He's, he's really, he's really put a good structure on them, and, he, and he's got them. He's got them playing uh, with real, you know, with real intensity now. And and not saying that they weren't under Tim. They were. Mm. They obviously done really well under Tim as well. But um, I think he's done a good job. And I, I think, I think definitely Pat and Derry will be looking at it, thinking that give a chance. chance. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think four points, four points off with what 12, 12 Games to go yeah, yeah, so we're still catching up with fixtures, but yeah, yeah. no, we are getting so getting to that stage. Yeah, into the bit, you are going into the business end, and I think if you had said to to Pats or Derry at the start, you'd be four points off. You know, considering the the points that they've probably dropped, um, they would have been they would have took absolutely. Yeah, we're we're actually eleven games to go, but it, it is like you look at Shamrock Rovers play Cork this Sunday, um, and then after that they got shells away, Dundalk at home, Bows, and then there's an international break, and they play Derry away. At the other side of that, and actually, if you look at the fixtures, like you know, Derry's next run is, you could argue, is a little bit kinder. Um, so you're kind of thinking, like Rovers went to Brandywell earlier in the season and dominated Derry, and you think, okay, you kind of th- felt like, well, this is this is it, but they're going to be going there again in September, and what's the lead going to be at that stage? Mm. You'd imagine they're going to be ahead at that stage, but it's going to be four, it's going to be five, and it feels like that's that's going to be the game. For me, I know Pats, maybe I'm just a little bit down on Pats because they're European stuff and maybe back in the league, Camera Waters, they'll be they'll be different. Their league um, form has been excellent. No, it has like, been. Yeah, it has um, been. But like, I, 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 I kind of wonder about have they had a bit of a bounce and are Derry the team that's maybe starting to hit their stride with players coming back? That might just be mm. my view on it. Just Derry, you just look at their bench at the weekend. It's like, or during the week, it's like, okay, yeah, they've got a chance. But I'm just wondering with, with, um, with your job now, Stephen, like, as funny as was as a player, you probably would have had a perception of what it took to to say for a player in the league to go and play international football. And now you've seen the game from all different sides. You've your Crystal Palace, your scouting, um, and now you know your current role as well with the with the Ireland staff. And you're seeing the levels of like I don't know players that people here have never nearly heard of in some ways, like a Jack Taylor or someone like that. And yet you see. They're like terrific footballers, you know, and he's got a good move and so on. So like I know like Neil Frugia was around was in the training group and you've had the goalkeepers around it, but like how, how hard is it to judge when you're watching a player in the league and think, okay, do they have the attributes that can add something to us? Like how do you is it very hard to glean it sometimes? Like would like would you have liked to see more Frugia, say in Europe, for example? It must be frustrating that he's not playing in those games because it feels like he was one that was coming along and then he's just got this injury at a really bad time. Yeah, well, I mean, in terms of judging the levels, because, I mean, I'd be at probably from League One, Championship, Premier League and SPL games. So, and and League of Ireland, obviously, of course, as well. So that, since I've come into the job, has definitely been something that, you know, there's been a there's been a bit of, for myself personally, finding the, the right, the right, I suppose, how you judge a player at a certain level relative to what we're looking for within mm. within the international side. Um, there's certain attributes that we look at that are absolute non-negotiables that we need in terms of can they can they do certain things as a you know as a as a wing back for example or a, are they physical attributes said, sort of as a wing back? Yeah be both. Yeah, yeah. be both be technical, physical. Um and, and then within that then you're looking at like you have to take into context the level of the opposition and um, the pitch you know the surroundings and and the le- and and sometimes the context of the game can tell you a lot. Even if it's a if it's a a lower league one game, there's certain elements within that. So it's not a, you can't just say black and white. These are the things how I differentiate a league of Ireland player 
playing against Pats and Rovers on a, on a Friday to Derby against Lincoln on a, on a on a Saturday. You know, within each game, there's certain elements that from the position that we're looking at or that player that we'll look and say, right, can he do it at this? Or can we can he can he execute this at this time in this environment? You know, or in the context of the game. But there's certainly like. The execution of technique under pressure, you know, is, is a big one for any level. Um, but it, there is a lot in terms of it, and, and it takes a while to, to even do the report after game because you're trying to contextualise the game. When I'm writing a report for for the manager and for Keith, and you're trying to contextualise the game and what what did the opponent do? You know, what system were they? What style of play were they? Because that's all relevant to how that player may have played, and then that all gives little bits and pieces to ultimately come to decision well is if you mention Neil or if, if it's if it's someone in a League One team Jack Taylor last year yeah. can they or can we perceive that they could do it at international level based off these things yeah just, just on, a, on a general debate because we had Owen on last week and, and we've had sort of players I'd say you know maybe from your generation of players who would speak we'd speak about maybe some of the changes to the style in the league in recent times and some people would say yeah teams are playing more football sometimes it's nice possession in their own half like is there the same pressure on the ball like you see in Europe some of our teams have have struggled under pressure and you kind of wonder are they being asked different questions here than they are week to week I don't know what you feel about like it's a younger league now there's no doubt it's a younger league and by its nature does that change the style the intensity certain attributes that the players need to, to thrive in it. You mean when the opposite, under high pressure? Under high pressure, yeah. Not under pressure, because yeah. there's two elements of it in terms of we have the ball, whether it be international, or that there's there's pressure without the ball, or there's, pre- there's, there's pressure when you have the ball under no pressure, mm. and then yeah. there's, mm. there's high pressure. So there's, mm. there's two elements to that. In terms of, I think, obviously, there's been a huge... A, big contrast to when we played and the style of play you look at say for example this Rovers team to our Rovers team yeah. you know the total opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of what we were and the qualities within it in terms of, of that but I think it is a younger league I think obviously the the influence of, of like say for example Guardiola on the game in terms of across the world has been obviously astronomical and, the, and then the implementation of the underage leagues and then naturally when you bring in an underage league a development league you look to other underage development leagues and what they're doing there in terms of trying to and if you look to the UK it is possession based yeah and what they want to do so that and and the fact that these younger players are coming through and then and it goes back to a little bit we talk about the 19s and or the 17s are they getting exposed and, and I know because they do at times get exposed to that but consistent pressure and there's probably more the mental side of being able to cope with not being pressed at times you mm. know what I mean and have the ball and can you explain that to people you. who are like what is he talking about there no, like, I, mean, I know I know what, I think I know what you mean when you have time you, in the ball that you're yeah, not actually well, used yeah, to yeah, yeah. Yeah. like I mean look, I was a presser get, get the ball back give it to Brad's are like, actually yeah. give it to the good, you know. So like that it was high energy. That's the way the league was high intensity, mm. high energy pressing. So you didn't have time as the, as the attacker to have the ball and to think and to play. You had to do it instinctively, which is you know the technical players really stood out then, and you got you know what I mean back then because, but we were all pressers and walkers, and that, mm. that's what we were. Uh, but now the the types of pressure obviously are different. So if there's a high press, like for example, if it's you know. Black against Rovers in that first half and how they how they jumped and wingers went out in. But then there's a different type of pressure that they leave you on the ball and they, they totally withdraw as a team and say, Well, you have the ball, 
Show me you what know, you can do. Yeah. And that's a different type of pressure because mm. now, and again, is it something that we come up against in, a lot in this league? Probably not that okay. much. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So there's, Just there's, setting a few traps there potentially as well. traps or, you know, are saying to you, okay, we're leaving this particular player on it because we know and we're trying to set a trap on that side or whatever it may be. Is that, is that a, a, a concept of Irish football in general? Do you think that like there are Irish lads, like they, they're not going to be able to, they're not technically good enough, like... No, I don't think so. I it's think homework. It's more homework, yeah. maybe, yeah. and they're, they're yeah. watching something. I, I, mm. Because I don't, I don't think it's it's just uh, Team C. Or I think you look at the league now and technically very, very good. But just I suppose I'm making the point in, when Dan talked about pressure and dealing with that. The pre- different types of pressure. Yeah, there is different mm. types of pressure mm. uh, for the, for the player in possession. If it comes in quick, you know, like they can play quickly. You don't think it's instinctive, and the defender, the presser, makes your decision for you because of the angle that he presses at or mm. whatever way he comes at you. Whereas on the other side of that, if you've got the pitch and they've dropped into that kind of central area and they're just saying to you, you make the decision and stand that they're setting traps, that's a different type. But it, and it goes back to that, being able to be expose our players to all those different types of pressure. It's it, not easy because... Is it evolving fast again from your perspective? Yeah. 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 No, it is. I mean, look, and again, from playing in the league to then obviously coaching at an underage level and the FAI and then moving to Palace and then obviously now watch God knows how many games a week, live games, four, three, four live games a week and uh, analyse hundreds of hours of video uh, from across the world. You see, like, it's changing all the time. It, it really is, mm. you know. You think, there's Airbnb at Brighton this year is kind of mm. a different concept and always evolving and even at international teams you see teams like you know you see Holland now have changed with the new man so mm. there's loads of the, it's always evolving always changing and uh, certainly a long way from even 2010, 2011 it doesn't seem that long ago but when you think about where the game has come from, not just here in general, it's, it's changed drastically. Mm. Mm. You, um, you've been linked with various jobs at various times I mean as I, the party is like very curious about what management itself will hold for you. Does that does that linger within you? I know you've got a big job mm. at the moment. You've big games coming around the corner. So I'm not saying next month, but in general terms, like you've done a lot of learning. You know, you've done a lot of observing. Um, are you always thinking about that next step eventually? Look, uh, I think I was in here probably just over two years ago, or not far off when I kind of took the job initially in this job and. I never made any kind of secret that that like you know that's eventually what I would like to do. Um, I, I've learned so much, obviously, from like even obviously being in Palace and with Sean Derry, seeing Roy Hodgson, how he works, and now ultimately Stephen and and Keith Andrews and even John O'Shea, John Eustace, Anthony Barry. It's learning off all these people all the time, and and definitely when you like, there's definitely that excitement about it, you know that. When what it's gonna hold, you know, mm. that if 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 or when it does happen, um, no, I'll, I'll look forward to it, and and I think more importantly that I'll be ready for it, uh, having having put in the the yards or gone through every single age group as I have, and um, I suppose educated myself in different ways, but I love what I'm doing now, and and I, and I know you said it there at the start, like all of I'm totally consumed at the moment with, with Holland and France and, and working in, in, in the staff with Stephen Keith John is has been absolutely it's brilliant. It's a it's a great environment to work. How different is the job like opposition analysis, okay, and you're playing Armenia and you're probably part of it as you're clipping and telling players about such and such they don't know. How different is it when you're sitting down with Killian Mbappe uh footage and clips? Yeah. Like, I mean, is that is it do you still have to apply the same principles? To it. Yeah, like I yeah. mean, I'd walk off like so. Like, 
I think obviously part of it is opposition analysis and that entails that entails everything Dan in terms mm. of tactically analyzing your opponents and then having solutions on the best way we can win the game tactically set players free kicks throw-ins from every aspect to not only show what they do but then to come up with solutions to say this is what they do and then it goes into the melting pot of a discussions Keith, Ste- Keith Stephen will do the same and that'll be that you know so it's mm. a real kind of open environment and challenging each other uh, and then the individual opponents is another facet of that that I would do and that we would break down I would break I would watch probably six games of every individual and pull what we would see or I would see as their strengths and weaknesses identify them um, and then put together a small package of, of a couple of minutes for an individual so for example Kylian Mbappe but every player has strengths and every player has weaknesses yeah. so like, don't get me wrong there's certain players it's hard to find weaknesses mm. with like Mbappe for example but like every player, he does. So sometimes that can go to six, seven, eight, ten games of finding his pieces where that when I sit down with, you know, uh, a Matt or whoever it may be before a game that I can say, this is where he's good. These are the tendencies. These are the, these are habits. These yeah. are his habits. In, in certain moments, these are what he wants. In certain areas of the pitch, this is what he loves to do. But also on the, on the other side of that is that this is what he hates playing against and this is what he doesn't do whether it be defensively or whether it be from an attacking perspective or in the transition or whatever it may be and I mean even from that it might be Ronaldo or Portugal or Mbappe and there's so many Giroud there's so many but the big thing for me is to go into the detail of the strengths and weaknesses and not just say well he's quick well like anyone can say that like we know he's quick the world knows he's quick it's what's his tendencies when he goes that way or when he goes onto his left foot and he goes onto his right when does he like to accelerate when does he like to slow down you know and all these little bits that if the player's in that 1v1 that he can think so so that's another element that individual but it is it's something that sometimes you're like can't find <laughs> you watch like six games back of every pair pretty much yeah well like you so generally in the, oppos- in the opposition stuff it'll be 10 10 up 10 like say for example obviously it's slightly Holland have changed manager mm. recently so Obviously, because they've changed manager, I changed it. But generally, walk off a tactical analysis of the previous ten games. It's a lot of work. Yeah, no, it yeah. is. It's a lot of mm. work, and then obviously set plays and and you go into throw-ins, kick off mm. everything, and how we what how can we get those little percentages to to win the game, and then obviously breaking down the individual is a separate to mm. the tactical stuff. So, um, but it, but look, it's very enjoyable, and I think you, you said it. You, you're seeing so much, you're learning so much because you could be watching Holland against. You know Saudi Arabia or uh, you know whatever it may be you'll be watching Mbappe at PSG against a, a French team that you didn't know and you say well, they play like that that's interesting yeah. and, mm. and you end up going down rabbit looking at certain ways that they play so it's 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 it's, it's and when, when Ireland are playing then where are you like during the game uh, I'll be elevated kind of up beside the TV camera and I'd be connected to so they on, on a mic to Keith so, to Keith so and I'm John. Ki- so, uh, Keith so I'm kind of like um What's it like then when, say, you're 20 minutes, half an hour in, and it's in the melting pot, and it's like, you have to be reactive here, so it's like, they're obviously trying to, like, double bluff us a bit as well, or whatever, like, it must be fascinating, because you can do all the million homeworks the world, but then a football game begins. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, it happens in games, you set up in a certain way, and you can only go off previous, what what the information gives you in terms of the data, and, and, and your subjective analysis of them, and what they do, and see your patterns and trends, but it's not to say sometimes they can't come out and do something totally different. Mm. The change system within within their system can change system, and which causes a different type of problem. Um, but having that obviously elevated view and being connected to Keith and John, uh, obviously the lads are highly educated on the game, so they can see it. But generally, sometimes being disconnected and higher, 
allows me to just have an overview and a disconnected probably from the the emotion of the bench allows mm. me to say well this is happening sometimes at pitch level it can be it can be a little bit harder um to see everything so it is it, it's interesting in that regard but also from an observational perspective but it allows you to i mean you have to develop that understanding of the game and what's needed at a certain time and we plan to do this we'll always have a certain plan to go into a game but we'll always have a, a second idea in that if they if we've seen a trend that they do this at a certain point, we'll have to plan for it, plan A, but also drop it into the players that this is a possibility, so we're prepared for that. Um, would, and would you have an idea in your head? I, like, I felt the Rovers 3 at the back didn't really suit them particularly this year, but like this is just my opinion. Would you have an idea in your head of a particular system you liked there? You're playing four, Stephen Kenny team played four, you played, you were four at the back in your Rovers days, from what I recall. Yeah. Is it just? Do you have to be like? You can't be rigid. You have to be able to be flexible here. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I think it's probably moving away from systems. Yeah. You know the, the idea of a system and more positional. Guardiola again, like yeah, like, like exactly. Like yeah. he's had that influence, but even like you look at. I mean, but but there's other managers like like you look at the Zerbi. They're quite rigid and mm. positional in terms of how they play, and then within that, but. Um, no, I don't. I think it's all dependent on the players that you have at your disposal. Okay. I don't think you can. I think as a coach now, when you look at, I mean, there's so many good young coaches in the league, um, and 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 like Stevie and Brad, and played with all of them, like and and you can see they're tactically adapting and, and and changing to how they're trying to play and the movements they're trying to make. But they're doing that based on the players they have. Mm. So I think it's obviously and even their style. You know, your style. I don't think can just be. A because it's it's difficult because you're trying to win a football game as well. Yeah, yeah. So again, it's it's and what have I got on my disposal mm. as well will play a big part in that. So, um, I'd certainly, obviously, I've done a lot of I've done a thesis on Belgium as part of my pro license and 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 done all that. So that was a three four three effectively. But again, I've played in all systems and I've, I've you learn all systems. And more important, I think the biggest thing from from the job I'm in now is the strengths and weaknesses of. Being in a system against a system and the opposite mm. is is a good education that because you know um, that within a certain system this hurts you or that hurts you in that opposite system moving forward. Just just finally before we go to the fixtures and we wrap up, just, <coughs> just curious, like um, how easy or not do you find it to detach yourself from the debate around the team? Because like I, you're an Ireland fan, like anyone's an Ireland fan, but I guess then you go into it and everyone has an opinion. As you know, like everyone in football has an opinion. And I'm sure like I saw you and Stephen actually, Kenny, sitting together after a Bose game. Was it Bose game the week Last before? Week, yeah. And like the Bose fans, in fairness, they're actually singing, giving Stephen Kenny, uh, you know, singing. Uh, yeah, they were hammering uh, me. Uh, they were <laughs> singing, there's only one Stephen Rice. But then, <laughs> but then yeah, they were hammering you. And then they, 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 I think Kenny got one or two shouts. But like, but like everyone, everywhere you go, someone has an opinion. And like, are you good? Like you go and stand on the sideline of a game or whatever. You meet someone and everyone suddenly knows your business. Like, are you good at detaching yourself from that? Uh, well, look, I mean, it's definitely something that I've, I've adjusted to because if it was a Rover 17s head coach and 19s and you lose or you don't play well, nobody really knows or cares yeah. to a point. You know, um, likewise, even at 23s level when I was coaching there, like, there's an element of, oh, it's 23s, you know what I mean? And as much as you want to win as a coach and you want to do the right things to develop, like, really... It, it, nobody really cares what the result is. That's, yeah. that's the reality and that's the harsh reality. When you're in it, it's not like that because you feel like it's the biggest job in the world, whatever job it is, whether it's 14s or Tristy League or 15s, whatever it is. And probably coming into this job, it's been, a, it's been a big learning curve for me in terms of the amount of obviously uh, attention on it. And like you said, everybody has an opinion. In terms of detaching myself, I think it's it's definitely 
at the start it's difficult because it's 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 consumes your life it's everything you do it's every day so uh, that that's something at the start was a little bit you, you can be a little bit hot you know what I mean but yeah. now I've learned of obviously I've got a little girl which which helps that you know after camp but you know that can bring perspective to it but I think the biggest thing probably within within that and detaching yourself is understanding that it's the nature of it you yeah. know it's mm, the yeah. nature of the highest level and because mm. if like if you ask me well, what's would you prefer that you were like Rover 17s and 19s where nobody really cared or cared that it's, it's ab- like it is to us it's absolutely yeah everything. like post Athens is tough right like you're yeah, flying yeah. home on the plane it's like oh, you know that's yeah. tough yeah exactly mm. but, but again and, level. yeah and but again would I change it for the world no because the fact that people want to talk about and have an opinion means it means so much to them and we're no different it means the world to us and, well, and everything that goes into it is to try to get us all as Ireland fans to that mm. uh, Euros yeah, yeah very, very, very briefly, then, how petrified are you of that first job where you go, if you want to become that manager that we know the stats, it's so, so unfair football if, if it goes wrong. So I'm, I'm always interested in like, you might have said the same thing to John O'Shea, like that mm. first job where you are the head supremo, the chairman could be like, yeah, well, he did a lot of opposition analysis, but that doesn't mean anything. How can he man manage? Like, so it has to go right almost like, or it has to not go spectacularly wrong. Yeah, well, look, but again, it, it goes back to what I'd always say, and like you look at someone, for example, like like Duffer, in terms of you went back, I would have went made a conscious decision to go right back when I finished playing. Some people can jump straight in and do it, like you know. You, so Duffer did the right thing in that sense. No, no, nobody does the right thing because like, someone like Pat Fenlon went straight in and mm. had an unbelievable career. You know, Brad similar. Brad's done obviously a little bit of underage and then jumped in. Like I made a very conscious decision that I wanted to make a lot of mistakes and wanted to mess things up and go back, which I went back to 14s and then walked through every single age group. Mm. So am I petrified? Absolutely not. It's it's exciting, but it, that if or when it does come, like I'll be absolutely prepared, um, you know, and I'll, I'll have gone hopefully through a lot of the scenarios, you know, from a tactical or coaching perspective that, that I know that how to deal with those things. Mm. Um, but again, as I said, that's probably down, the, well, it is absolutely down the line, mm. you know, um, I can... As you get ready for Holland and France is, is all I'm thinking about now. Mm. Okay, so this weekend's fixtures. We got um TV game of Friday Sligo Rovers and Pats. Just think about the Max Matter story as well. It's just coming out now. Like you think about it, this is part of the, the consequence as well of when your season might be petering away to nothing. You know, they're, they're mm. probably not going to get Europe. Let's be honest, they're out of the cup. You need to, like that club needs to try and balance the books somehow. And that's the danger. Like That's dangerous as well in the sense that they're not out of the woods. They're not out of the woods. I, but I think... I think you'd look at the form book and you'd, you'd say that they'll be okay. Mm. But I think that's what you do. You have to be, the club has to run itself as a business and that's part of the problem. Maybe if you're chasing Europe, you have a different discussion about letting your striker go because yeah. you're thinking, well, hang on, there's 250 grand for us there yeah. if we get through or the cup, etc., etc. When you're out of that, then that's unfortunately what happens. It's yeah. a pain in the arse, but it, it, that's the reality. Sligo Rovers and Pats, um, Bowes against Strada also on Friday, then the Sunday, because we have the, I suppose the European fixture is rescheduled. Um, we've got UCD against Derry. We've got Dundalk against Shelburne and we've got Shamrock Rovers against Cork City. And of course, we have the European games on Thursday night, as people will be aware. Um, Johnny, first division? Watford, Kerry, Treaty, Longford, Bray, Atlone, Cove, Wexford, Finn Harps. Galway all Friday night. Um, there we go thanks for coming in Stephen really appreciate it yeah thanks a million yeah and uh, 
God, I, I don't think that job would be for me. Watching a lad back 10 times, I, I wouldn't have the 10 span. You wouldn't have the 10 span. You would be completely distracted. Oh my, I'd be the worst opposition analysis ever. Like, you come, you come back. I'd be like, like, I got a good burger match? at half yeah, time. The, bur- the burger was good. And <laughs> yeah. I, I met a fella next to me, would you believe? He, yeah. Uh, you know, I met I met whoever. I met Don DC at the game. You got, you got completely <laughs> distracted. I met him in Galway last week. I know you did. But anyway, um, yeah, Johnny is not going to be added no. to the staff. Uh, that's when I, I take Reiser on as in that role because you know he seems pretty uh, pretty thorough anyway. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll be back next week.